hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, bringing you our last episode of 2021, and thus our last episode of season two. We're so thankful that you all joined us and supported the podcast this year. And today for our final episode, we have a special treat. In addition to our regular content, which includes Tiffany LaMandola bringing us a Christmas-themed market update and a visit with Jennifer Giambroni of the California Milk Advisory Board with some updates from their end of the industry, we also had a sit-down with Maureen Lemos, a dairy farmer, author, and professional photographer of Lockwood 3 Dairy in Waterford, California. Maureen is just a joy to talk to and shares a variety of things with us, including a little bit about her family history in the dairy industry, the important work she's doing um, with CMAB and in her community to share dairy products with those that are most vulnerable, and on the fun side of things, a little bit about the publishing of her newly released children's book, Clarice the Red Cow. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We also want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, a wonderful New Year, and hopefully a relaxing few weeks before we see you again in January. Thank you all so much again for joining us this year, and we will jump right in with Tiffany. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. We're going to wrap up December here, feeling a lot better about dairy markets uh, for our dairy producers. All commodities are pretty elevated, um, pretty nice, decent levels. We have butter now sitting at 209 and a quarter. That's down a little bit from last week's elevated levels, down three cents. Uh, but still historically high prices. And contacts say the market continues to find support. Uh, Buyers are scrambling to keep pace with needs and prospective sellers maintain a pretty tight grip on fresh supply and our cream markets remain firm. Uh, Contacts say butter sales into retail channels are still really healthy. Uh, It is the holidays after all, uh, but perhaps maybe not as robust as the period leading into Thanksgiving. And some figure people um, kind of accelerated purchases, getting ready for the holidays. So it could be a bit of a demand void um, once we are past Christmas. Uh, Still, international markets are still very tight and offering support. Uh, German prices were up to 291 in U.S. dollar terms. Uh, that's adjusted to 80% butter fat, and and Dutch prices 292. Next week we do get a another cold storage report, so we'll get a read on what butter inventories are looking like um, as we head into year end. Over in the cheese space, uh, some nice levels as well. Uh, blocks gained two and a quarter cents. We're at $1.8875 this week. We did lose some on barrels though, down five cents to $1.63. Um, milk production is said to be increasing a little bit seasonally, um, and we're gonna probably see fluid demand taper a bit in the weeks ahead as schools close for Christmas break. Um, Even so, though, milk is still a little bit tight. Up in the upper Midwest, cheese manufacturers are paying about a quarter over class for milk. That compares to a midpoint of about negative 320 over the past five years. So a little bit uh, more expensive surplus milk to be had. Contexts say retail activity is really strong for cheese as well, and they expect that to persist into the new year. Um, as we are still eating and snacking at home. Um, Contacts also cite, though, that a lack of labor in trucks is making it a bit hard to move product, and they feel that our holiday sales may have been even stronger if not for the logistic issues. 
Um, things at home here in the U.S. are steady in the cheese market, but also looking pretty good in terms of exports as well. Um, outbound sales are reportedly pretty healthy as product remains competitive uh, to world prices and tight global supplies are kind of keeping cheese stocks constrained. Finally, in non-fat dry milk, we reached another new multi-year high, finishing at $1.6775. That was up five and a quarter cents. Highest level since July 2014. Uh, international demand is helping, though uh, expected to taper a bit into the year end. At the same time, uh, context suggests drier activity might pick up a bit in the weeks ahead while schools are closed and that excess milk kind of comes back out of fluid. Um, however, extra milk supplies were pretty well absorbed after Thanksgiving. So I think we're all waiting to see if uh, the same thing will happen after Christmas and, and the new year here. Uh, international price is strong for nonfat dry milk too, or uh, skim milk powder out of uh, Dutch quotations at $1.70, as well as uh, German prices. We do get another global dairy trade event next Tuesday um, to get a read on those markets. And we also get uh, another milk production report uh, for the month of November. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday. Please reach out with any questions. Uh, the forward curve of the futures prices out in 2022 are looking um, really good with $19 to $20 prints. Uh, so if you need any help uh, taking advantage of those, please reach out. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pg.com slash safety. We are so grateful to have a Western United Dairy member and just all around awesome dairy lady, Maureen Lemos of Lockwood 3 Dairy on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We really appreciate you joining us. And we thought it would be fun to visit with you ahead of the Christmas holiday to talk about all the great work that you and your family do. Um, both in the dairy industry and within your community. So we will go ahead and jump in. I, I wonder if before we get started, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe just a little about your dairy and your industry involvement as well. Sure. Um, I did not grow up in the dairy business. I actually, um, my husband's family bought the property that they built their dairy on from my grandparents. So we, um, we were kind of the boy next door kind of scenario there. And so I met him when I was 18 and we started dating. And so I've been in the dairy industry ever since then. I do have dairy in my family. I have cousins in Ireland that have beautiful dairies. So uh, we're looking forward to a day we can go visit and talk to them about that. Our son is fourth generation dairy farmer in the family. And the Lemus family as of next year will have been in the dairy business for 100 years. So it's a very, it's a very deep, um, a very deep passion in the family. So we're excited that our family has been able to carry that on. And our son, I think when he was about four years old said that someday he would have a dairy so he's, uh, he's 24 now and he's had his own dairy 
for almost five years. Wow. So he is, uh, he's about five miles away from us and he just took off with it. He got his education done quick and he went to New Zealand and did an internship there. And on his way back from that trip, he got the phone call that the dairy he wanted to lease was, uh, was his. So, um, so he got started and he actually milks jerseys. We have Holsteins, he has jerseys. So that was a new thing in the family. And we've learned a lot about that breed and uh, definitely learned to love them as well. We thought we were Holstein only people, <laughs> but we, we really love the jerseys now. So, um, so as I said, the family history goes way back. My family, we live in a very small town, Waterford, right in the Central Valley. And, uh, and the ranches were just right next door to each other. So my grandparents were one of the first settlers in this, in this area. And, um, and my husband's family moved over here, like I said, in uh, 1972. And they bought the property and built the dairy that my husband and I milk our cows on. So we're still on the, the family ranch there. And um, we have, we actually have four children. We have three daughters that are older than our son. And our oldest daughter is an architect. The next one is a chef. And then the next one has a hoof trimming business with her oh. husband. And then they just developed a uh, hoof trimming app. They just developed this and they're just getting ready to launch it. And they just got an award from the, the World Ag Show for best new product in, in the ag community. So we're really excited about that. And they're just getting ready to get that going. So, um, so we have a lot of agriculture related um, passion in our family. And we're all, we do have this, you know, there's smaller dairies, they're considered smaller dairies now. And so uh, that being said, with all of the labor shortages, and problems that we've had in that area lately, it becomes a real literal family farm. So my role could be anything from, I do all the book work for both dairies, which is a big job, yeah, but yes, it that is. being said, <laughs> it is. Um, but then I also will uh, just fill in wherever needed. I'm not out there every day. But if the milker doesn't show up, that's, that's us that end up out there. So, so I'll milk or feed or uh, my husband will feed and I'll take care of the calves. And we just, uh, the family just kicks in wherever we need to and make sure, and that's on both dairies. Yeah. I will definitely go to my son's dairy as well if he's shorthanded. And uh, my daughter's all the same. My daughter just milked my son's cows just a few weeks ago. <laughs> So, uh, so it's just, a. we really love the dairies, the cows, everything we're doing. And our entire family has that same passion for, for the cows and for the industry. And so, like I said, the whole, uh, the family farm is, is a very literal thing, tractor work, just whatever needs to be done, because obviously we we have crops that we have to get in the ground before the rain comes and things like that. So there's just always things that, that we have to get done quickly. So that's usually when I get a phone call and need mm -hmm. to run out there and fill the gap wherever that is. But, 
but it's good. I never, I never have a problem with that and, um, and actually totally enjoy it. But um, also as far as my role in the industry, um, it does vary a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I became a member of the California Milk Advisory Board social influencer team about six years ago. They developed that. And it kind of um, it kind of took off from a leadership conference that some of us attended, and so then follow up after the leadership conference, it kind of evolved in deciding that maybe a team of people on social media representing California dairy and uh, in their own style and their own way, all dairies are different, very different. So it's it's really. I think it's important for consumers that don't know anything about the dairy industry to be able to go on social media and find someone like my social media and be able to see what's happening on the dairy and just learn things and be able to ask questions, you know, about what we're doing on the dairies or dairy products or anything like that. So I think that has actually been a really important tool in the dairy industry, I believe. Yeah. And um, I've had wonderful, wonderful results from that. And just some of the things that happen from it are amazing. You know, we had a visitor from Germany that was just on my social media, contacted (laughs) me and said he was coming to the United States and he was coming to California. And we actually had him out to our dairy. So um, just, yeah, just really exciting things like that, that we can, that we can do through social media. and. Um, I make myself available however I can help. I've worked with Dairy Council. Um, when, when COVID hit, the, the poor school systems, you know, the teachers just didn't know what to do with their students for those last few months. And all of their field trips, of course, were just gone. So uh, we teamed up, some of us on the, on the social media team, we teamed up with Dairy Council and we provided virtual tours of our dairies. So we did that, oh goodness, it was like almost every day of the week and we just tag teamed, there was different ones. I had a partner that had the the trailer and he was down south with the cow in the trailer and I was here in the Central Valley and then we had Dairy Council in the Bay Area. So the three of us were kind of a team and we did these, uh, these tours for schools and it ended up being just an amazing thing. It fell together and we had several hundred people on every single time online watching them. So it was really exciting actually. And um, people were just so thankful to be able to have something to Um, make them feel a little normalcy and like they were kind of still being able to get out and learn and and a little curriculum for the teachers that thought they were going to be able to do these field trips so that was really rewarding that was a great thing to do and I was it was just such a great team dairy council just they were so organized and they just pulled it all together really really well and so that that was a really great opportunity and um also, also, I've worked with DMI, and before COVID, um, my husband and I had the opportunity to go to New York 
for oh. National Farmers Day. And there was, uh, there was dairy farmers from all over the United States there, but my husband and I were representing California. So that was exciting. We attended um, different shows in Times Square and just so many people coming through and to be able to, to talk to them, you know, just face to face, it was amazing. And um, my husband's not the, the talker between the two of us. <laughs> so I've been on the so phone with Darren a few times. <laughs> He's a quiet guy. He is, but it was a really awesome experience for him because he had um, an, a specific thing happen where someone approached him and asked him about dairy products. And she told him that she was not including dairy in her diet anymore. And that she had seen some things online, some videos that had turned her away from dairy. So she said, but I wanna to talk to you about this. And he stood there and talked to her. And by the end of the conversation, she was so thankful. And she said she, was, she just was apologizing for ever letting something, um, some silly video online influence her in that way. And she was so happy to be able to go directly to the source and get her questions answered and see that we were trustworthy people mm -hmm. and taking care of our cows and loving them and doing everything we can do to make sure that, that uh, the dairy products are getting out there and the quality. And he just really had a wonderful conversation with her. And he was very, um, touched by that, by the end of it, that she told him that um, she would definitely go back to including dairy products in her diet. And so it's unfortunate that there's so much misinformation out there. And so again, that's why like the social media and just being able to give tours and things like that, I think it's so important for people to just have the real experience and be able to see what we're really doing and appreciate that and trust us and, and that kind of thing. So, so like I said, you know, I, I work with the milk advisory board. I just recently was appointed to a board seat. And so I've been partnering with them for a long time though, just on so many different things. They're such a wonderful support system in anything I want to do. I can just call them and run it by and, and we usually end up partnering on it and, and really making successful events happen like within my community and that kind of thing. So, so I think that that kind of sums up my, my role, I guess. Well, it's so awesome to see someone who's so passionate and so involved in doing so many things, like you said, to connect face to face with people. And recently you did something pretty exciting and wrote a children's book based on a very special cow at your dairy. Can you share with us a little bit about that and how that experience has been and just the ability to continue to connect with more people through that book? Absolutely. I, uh, back in 2017, well, to back it up even a little bit further, my kids showed heifers at the fair. And we absolutely loved doing that. I was the 4-H dairy leader and um, it was just an awesome experience. And there was a red heifer at the fair 
that I just fell in love with, the red and white Holstein. And I kept telling my husband, why don't we have red heifers? Why don't we have red and white Holsteins at our dairy? And uh, so he obviously was listening because I did that for two or three years. And then on Christmas, I came into the living room and found a little red heifer with a bow around her neck under my Christmas tree. So, <laughs> so that was in 2017. And because I got her for Christmas, her name was Clarice because we love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So that's where her name came from. But uh, I'm not sure if he knew what he was getting into with that, but she ended up staying at the house for six months. So she was just, she was just mine. And I did take her to the dairy at six months old. And it was just actually very sweet because the employees would actually call me and say, hey, can you come down? Clarice won't step over the curb to go get to the water trough. And I would just have to go down and tell her it's okay. So she had a little adjustment, but, um, but she was very much just my girl. And she was the favorite. Everyone at the dairy loved her, all of the employees. And I'm also a professional photographer. So I bring a lot of clients to the dairy, which is a wonderful excuse to be able to talk about the dairy and uh so so a lot of families and I mean it was to the point where a lot of families would tell me well my kids want to come back out there because they want to see Clarice so uh (laughs) so a lot of people have photos with Clarice but so anyway um she actually was injured last February the beginning of February and um she just wasn't getting better. So we ended up taking her to UC Davis and um, she got an infection when she was there. So she, you know, we were planning on bringing her back home, doing this therapy. And I probably wasn't going to go back into the milk string, but we still thought she'd just be out in the pasture and still just be here. And she got an infection when she was there. So she didn't come home. But um, so, you know, obviously it was very sad and that was, that was hard. And on my social media, I don't normally share like that kind of thing, but I did, I shared just my personal experience with what was happening. And so many people followed it and were so sweet and so supportive of it. So when I lost her, just, it was just like within a few days, I tend to try to want to make things positive. I just don't like negative. And so this was, I think it was just kind of my way of turning like this bad thing into a good. And so I wrote this book and shared it with my son. I didn't tell my husband. I shared it with my son and he he said, oh, it's really good. You need to really do this. And so I got the little encouragement I think I needed. So then I started pursuing it and learned how to publish a book. And I found an illustrator online that I just loved his work. And it was exactly what I wanted. I feel like it just all was meant to be. It, it really had to be because the, the printer, the illustrator, everything just fell into place. So within about two months, I had my book and uh, surprised my husband with it. And some of the other family as well. My, we have two grandkids and they didn't know I had done it either. So yeah, so it was very exciting. We had a little ice cream party at the dairy and I surprised him with it. 
And um, so then that being said, though, I, I didn't say anything about the book until because I wanted to keep it a surprise for him. So then after I gave it to him, I put up a post saying I wrote this and I didn't know if anybody would be interested. And I got 750 pre-orders for my book. Oh my so God. it, wow. I, I know I called my daughter and said, you need to come over. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I need to set up a link or something. I don't know what to do with this. So in the meantime, I have learned how to, I set up a website, clarissetheredcow.com and I have that now. So uh, that took a lot of work and a lot of frustration on my part. I don't consider myself a techie person, but I learned a lot. So I did get the book published. I have right now, I have 13 stores that are carrying it. I'm waiting for my second order though. And just like everything else, the shipping and everything. So, so I've just gone kind of quiet because I'm almost out right now. So um, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that second order. And I do, while I was waiting, I just, my wheels keep turning. I actually designed a little Clarice plush as well. Oh, fun. And <laughs> so I have a sample of that and we're working on the little details. And so probably be a few months before I get that, but then I'll have that as well and uh, be able to add that to that. But the response and um, the, I feel like all of these things that we do give people opportunities to talk to us and they have that that ability to like maybe I just was able to reach somebody on a different level on a personal level that they gain a comfort zone and being able to talk to me and I have people reach out to me all the time with just little questions like hey how come I can't find half and half right now mm -hmm. you know just just questions and so I'm always happy to help wherever I can. I can't help with the uh, supply chain and the shipping problems, unfortunately, but, but I am really, it's been a very, very exciting and rewarding experience, much, much more than I ever anticipated. And I think part of that reason, probably the majority of that reason is because it's based on a true story. So, and, you know, I did a lot of research before I published it. And I think I've read every board book, like probably there is, <laughs> and there aren't, there really aren't any that you can turn over the back of the book. And I have real photos on the back that show that this was a real true story. So I think that connects with people as well and just, just makes it more meaningful. So, um, so yeah, that's been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Much, much more than I ever anticipated it would be. So that's been very rewarding. And um, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's just been, I think that I was able to reach a whole different audience of people, like through my experience with Clarice and my, my book. And I do have her, she had a heifer and a bull calf before we lost her. And we have both of them. And then we actually did some embryo transfers from Clarice. So when we knew we were going to lose her, we, we flushed her. And so we have, we did three embryo transfers and two of them are due in like 11 days. 
so That's that cool. will be exciting yeah maybe christmas very yeah. exciting <laughs> and uh and we have her daughter mitzi as well and she's due with her first calf january 6th so like i said i don't know if my husband knew what he was getting into but <laughs> but i'm growing my own little red herd at our dairy and we it. even still kept the, we kept the bull even which he's the only bull on the dairy <laughs> we have a cute little red bull it's, he's it's amazing though things. he looks just yeah. like her oh funny well I I the our next question Maureen gets a little more into the community involvement you've had in the past few years and maybe before I don't know how you have time to do everything you do it's just amazing I'm a little tired listening listening but um I, we also know that you're a huge advocate for the folks in your community that may be food insecure, especially around the holidays. And your family recently participated in a huge drive for dairy products. So could you tell us a little bit about that endeavor and um, maybe a little bit about how if others would like to participate, how they might get involved with something like that? Sure, yes, I definitely, um, I love my community. I really do. I am, uh, I'm involved in a community service club called TriW and that's exclusive to Waterford. And my grandmother was one of the first members of this club. And then my mother was in it and I'm in it now. They have 30 members and my daughter, one of my daughters is also in it. So again, four generations in this community service club. But we just really love our little community. And like I said, it's a small town. And uh, the heritage, the it just, our roots go deep here with both families, with my family and my husband's family. So we love to help where we can and support the businesses and uh, just do whatever we can. But recently what I did, because September is Hunger Action Month. So through the social media influencer team, we, um, we partner with Real California Milk and they offer to help us if we want to, it's totally optional, but if we have some kind of idea as far as setting up some kind of milk drive. And so a few of us did participate in that, but I did a few different ones this year that I hadn't ever done before. And the first one that I did, I actually just put a 24 hour challenge up. I just 24 hours. And I said, you know, that I just wanted people to donate toward to Turlock Gospel Mission, which is a really, really wonderful organization, which is, you know, it's outside of the town we live in. It's not right in the town we live in, but it's a wonderful organization. And actually the girl that is, um, kind of the, the leader there, she was in our 4-H group in Waterford. So she's, she's so wonderful at what she does there. And it's such a, such a worthwhile thing. And so I went and toured there and she showed me around, showed me what they're doing. And I just really felt convicted that this was the right place for that to go. So in that 24 hours, we were able to get people to donate 120 gallons of milk. So what Turlock Gospel Mission did, because it gets mentioned sometimes that, well, how do you do this? Because dairy products need to be refrigerated. Right. So you really just can't do a big bulk amount like that. And, but there's ways, there's ways you can get around that. So what we 
coordinated with Turlock Gospel Mission, they actually set up a separate fund. Okay. So just a separate account for milk, just from what we had donated. So every donation that went in was set aside into a separate account and they are using it as needed to supply milk for the people that need it. So I thought that was a really, really wonderful way to make sure that that happened. And um, because, you know, people are trusting me when they're donating, they're trusting me that it's going toward what they want it to go toward, not just into a general fund. So, so being able to work that out and have Turlock Gospel Mission um, make that statement that they would do that. And they also, it was just, it was very sweet because I talked to the kitchen manager when I went in and he was so thankful. And he said, you know, his words, milk is like gold here. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful to hear. So they were so appreciative of it because they just have an amazing program there. But then, as I said, you know, I, I don't live in Turlock, but it was definitely something worth worthwhile and doing. But so in my little community, I thought I really want to do something here, but we don't have a gospel mission like that here. So I actually contacted the elementary school and I spoke with them and asked if there was something somehow, if they had any idea of a way that we could do a milk drive at the school. So one thing just kind of led to another and we ended up going corresponding back and forth quite a few times and working out the details. And uh, long story short, my, my family, which they just get roped into these things all the time. And they all just, <laughs> you know, I'm, oh, we have to meet at the dairy to get a picture or, you know, <laughs> so they're just, they're so wonderful <laughs> about accommodating whatever I have going on. But so my family all met at the elementary school and we actually set up this beautiful table and we, we set it up as a drive-through in the bus lane. And I know the owner of the grocery store here in Waterford. So he actually placed the bulk order for us. So he ordered us 200 gallons of milk and kept it refrigerated for us. And then until we needed it, the day we needed it, my husband and my son just took their trucks and <laughs> went and got it <laughs> and brought it over to the elementary school. And at the elementary school, they have those rolling refrigerated units. Right. So that mm -hmm. was perfect. We set up just kind of right outside the cafeteria. So we just stocked those up and brought them out as we needed. And all of my family members just ran up and down that bus lane with gallons of milk, giving them to people through their car windows. So, but at the same time, I also took that opportunity to give them literature as far as California dairy. I put together um, a packet and recipes and things like that for the adults. And then we also put together little gift packs for the kids. So they had stickers and activity books and things like that, that they could also get. And that was amazing. I definitely would love to make that a yearly thing. I think that um, we could improve and do things a little different as we you know, as we do it each time, because we just had no idea. We didn't even know if anybody would come right? because they had to, the way they set it up, which I don't think I would do this part again, because the way they set it up, 
they had everybody go home from school and then come back. So I thought, are people even going to want to do that for a gallon of milk? But it was amazing. They absolutely did. There was times that uh, the bus lane was full all the way down to the end and just just cars as far as we could see. So uh, people were so appreciative, though. And because we are the dairy farmers in this community, I think that being able to take advantage of opportunities like that to give, but also to introduce ourselves is yeah. a great thing because, you know, I'm on Facebook pages that are just my community. So because of that, a lot of people know who we are and, you know, we, we just, people were so gracious and so thankful. There was so many thank yous and um, I got a wonderful card from the school and, and so um, I love doing things like that. I love being able to, to give. And at the same time, I mean, it was a win-win because we were able to help people, but at the same time, we were also able to, to advocate and talk about our industry and what we do and answer those questions. If anybody has those questions, because they just don't always know where to go to get their answers. And unfortunately, a lot of people just go to the wrong place. Right. So being able to be a dairy farmer and talk about it and answer questions, I think it's just, it's a very, very important part of what we do. So, so yeah, that was an awesome experience. And I absolutely hope we can pull it all together again next year. And I, the part that I think, like I said, that we would change is probably somehow being able to set it up where they could just get it on their way out after school instead of having to come back. But I think everybody just tries so hard to accommodate for, for COVID and for all the different things happening, you know, so as far as, of course, we had some people that just walked right up to the table, but overall, you know, we were handing them through car windows. So just whatever we needed to do to be able to make it okay. But, uh, but next year, I would love to see it be something that we just have it set up and as they're leaving school, they just come through and get it and take it home. So yeah, it was a great opportunity though. Awesome. Well, Maureen, thank you so much. I just feel like there's, you're so involved and you're so passionate and it's so fun to listen to you talk because it really kind of lights the little fire again under my butt. You know, <laughs> we work day in and day out. We try and help our producers and it's just so exciting and so great to see a family in a community that's just so passionate. So thank you so much for taking the time to share and really sharing about your involvement and just being so involved in general. Um, kind of as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners or maybe fellow producers as we move into the holiday season? Um, I, I can't really think of anything else. I, I really love the... Uh, um, the dairy community, and especially at this time of the year. As I said, I just got appointed to the California Milk Advisory Board, so I was able to go to the, the fun Christmas party and meeting and everything. It's just such a wonderful group of people. I talk about my community and how much I love being involved in, in that and, and helping and serving, but uh, that being said, the people involved in the dairy industry are some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. 
So being able to also share that and, and just feel such a supportive community is a really, really great thing. So um, I know that if any of us ever need anything, all we have to do is, is call another dairy farmer up and they just would be here to help with anything. So, so like I said, it's, it's, um, it's just a wonderful community of people to be involved in and that extends so far. It's not just the dairy farmers, it's people like you and um, you know, so many others that are involved on so many different levels. So it's just a wonderful industry to be involved in and I'm very blessed to be a part of it, definitely. Well, I, I will reiterate what Darby said. When times are hard, this is a tough industry to work in. And we're so proud to work with dairy families like the Lemos family. You guys are just awesome. And we have so many awesome families. And it just kind of refreshes us, I think, to, to be able to engage on positive issues. And you said earlier, you like to make things positive. And I just feel so great after talking to you, Maureen. So thanks for joining us. And anytime you have anything you'd love like to share, we would love to have you back. Well, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making an improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. We would like to welcome back to the show, Jennifer Giambroni, our partner over at the California Milk Advisory Board. Welcome back, Jen. Thanks, Melissa. Happy to be back. So glad to have you. Um, it's been a little while and you've had some exciting stuff going on over at the Milk Advisory Board, not least of which was the finals for the Real California Milk Accelerator um, competition, which were a few weeks ago. And we have a new winner for that this year. It's, it's some pretty exciting stuff. I'm just wondering if you would share with us a little bit about that process again. I know we talked about it last year and then a little bit about the winner, which I thought was a great product. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we really love doing the Real California Milk Accelerator because it allows us to really focus on these innovative companies that are using dairy in an interesting way and identify the ones that we might be willing to invest in. And we really want, of course, to be made here in California with Real California Milk from our farmers. So we launched this three years ago and it was really focused on innovation. And that's a big push for CMAB. We know how important it is for our farmers to have innovative value-added products using their milk. So we launched it with a focus on fluid. Last year was the snack accelerator, so it was all about snacks. And then this year we focused on performance and recovery products. So those functional foods. And we know dairy is such a versatile ingredient, it's really hard to replicate it. It's like, you know, creates that natural functionality. It has the flavor. It really allows for a lot of different applications. And we had something like 62 entries from around the world and everything from ice creams, uh, sports and performance drinks, of course, to bath bombs. So that was a really interesting, you know, we're so used to the food products that, you know, this one was, and I can attest, I actually tried it out. It was awesome. So a milk-based bath bomb, you know, for soothing and relaxation and calm. 
because when we talk about performance and recovery, it isn't just recovery after heavy exercise or performance um, in terms of athleticism, although that's an important part of it, it's everything functional. And we know consumers really define their health and wellness, you know, in a, in a much more broad way. It's not just a nutritional benefit. It's, you know, how does it make me feel? Does it help with my anxiety? So we had some wonderful products and we, came, and we got them down to four. Now, interestingly enough, all four were sweet. So even though we had savory and we had performance for athleticism, fundamentally, we love our treats. We love things that are sweet. So we had uh, four great products that were all sweet, but they also were kind of common in how they were trying to solve something for consumers. And that was really providing, you know, a functional benefit, but also a reduction in things like sugar, which we know is kind of a bugaboo for, for us um, and something that we're, we're trying to wean ourselves away from while still enjoying. Like, and fundamentally, they all tasted good. And that's the most important part. So, so we had four products. Uh, three of them were frozen, uh, like ice cream. So it was an ice cream, a frozen, well, two ice creams, a frozen yogurt, and then uh, um, a keto-friendly cheesecake. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that one, they were all good, I can say. I have the, the lucky job of tasting everything. Oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> How do I sign up? Is not so bad, for sure. Um, and then our winner was uh, a product called Night Food, and it right. is an ice cream that is sleep-friendly. So it's talking about kind of those nighttime snackers, which I think many of us are, and how disruptive that can be to your sleep, especially if you're eating something that's yeah. high in sugar. And so this is a sleep-friendly ice cream, and the founders really come up with a unique set of strategy for distribution. Um, he has these um, pints, but he's also evolving into a, an ice cream sandwich. So kind of like that good old-fashioned ice cream sandwich we all love, but sleep-friendly. And then the channel is at the hotel space. So when people really want oh. to sleep. Yeah. So he's created a relationship with a hotel chain and then they'll be rolling out in hotel lobby shops. So it's really terrific. We know people are going to snack when they're at hotels. They're going to go for those things that they love, which ice cream is the top, yeah. you know, one of those snacks. And this is something that will help promote sleep. Our real California milk seal is going to be snack dab on there. And it'll be something that will give everyone a really great experience. Yeah, I was, as a girl who likes to have her ice cream every night before bed, I was really excited to see this. I thought it was super innovative. It never really struck me that ice cream could be a product that helped you sleep. I mean, we eat it at night. A lot of people eat it for dessert. And so it was pretty exciting. I'm really stoked to try the product. And um, definitely as somebody who's on the road a lot visiting producers, it'll be great to be able to see it in the local hotel snack area and pick up a, a little treat before bed. So um, pretty exciting stuff. I just can't, we can't speak enough on this, the snack accelerator and the accelerator program in general. They've really brought a lot of great products to the market. So kudos to the milk advisory board for thinking of, you know, a good, a fun way to introduce these new products where it's a little bit of a competition. We love the shark tank style. Everybody I know loves that. So it's, it's great stuff. It's been really fun. Um, and part of it also is, you know, even for those products that don't win, we've created a great relationship with them and we're still working with them to 
how do you sort, you know, find a co-packer to source with California milk? We want to see every single one of these products using California milk. So even with our products that, that maybe didn't come in first or second, our second place winner was a whipped Greek yogurt product. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our cheesecake products, you know, even some of the performance and recovery drinks for, um, for athletes, you know, we're, working, we're continuing to work with them, connect them with processors or co-packers to source California milk because fundamentally this is about really encouraging innovation and making sure that our California dairy um, you know, producers are a part of that wave. Um, and I just want to squeeze one little thing in there. I know we didn't talk about this, but when we talk about innovation, you know, last year we we created the California Dairy Innovation Center. And I believe you probably talked to Veronique, um, who is the head of that, but they just landed a $1.8 million grant to really um, spur innovation in California. And it'll be operated through Fresno State. And they'll be basically creating grants for processors as well as researchers to really spur on dairy innovation, which is exciting for us. Absolutely. And I've had a chance to briefly visit with Veronique a couple of times. She's she's such an awesome catalyst for this program. And I think from what I can tell, she's working with producers all over the state in every region. And that's pretty exciting. Um, you know, every type of producer, it's a, it's a diverse grant offering. And I think it's, it's going to lead to some really great things. So we're excited to work with you guys on that and continue to have our producers work with you on getting those, those grants off the ground. Yeah, it's exciting. And, and again, in that virtual format, it means we're not just tied to one, one specific university location. We can really spread that around the state and, uh, and obviously offer a lot with the processor community so we can kind of really leverage the milk that's coming from our farmers. Definitely. Well, thanks so much, Jen, for for sharing a little bit about all of that exciting stuff going on at CMAB with us. Um, Before we go, this is our last episode that's airing before the holidays. And we were chatting a little bit beforehand about just the importance of getting dairy products to those most vulnerable in our communities during this time. They're, they tend to not be products that are highly donated, probably because of perishability and other reasons, but um, CMAB has done some awesome work this past fall, getting products to folks that really need dairy and maybe don't get it as much in their diet. So just wondering if you could share a little bit about that with us and then maybe um, let us know how producers can participate in work in their own communities to get dairy products to those underserved? Absolutely. We know that dairy is one of the most, I mean, fluid milk is one of the most requested, but least donated products. And you're right, the, the perishability is a hard part, um, hard element to that. But we've worked a lot with our, our partners, our processor partners, our farmer partners, as well as Feeding America to try and bridge that gap so all consumers have access to this nutritious product. We've done some grants. We provided refrigeration units. We donated 14 refrigeration units to community food pantries just this last year. And then in September for Hunger Action Month, we worked with some of our local farmers to do their local or community uh, food, or not food drives, but uh, fluid milk drives. And so that's the, that's the easiest way for our farmers. I mean, we already know that they're very involved in their communities. Most of them are probably very active with food banks or through their churches. And I would say if people want to make donations, food uh, monetary donations are the best because food banks can really leverage those. You know, they have that buying power. You can earmark dollars specifically for milk. You can set up with your local food bank that you want your dollars to just go to fluid milk purchases when they need them 
or you can work with a local grocery store if you want to do a bingo donation because you can order through them. Mm -hmm. But I would say if you want to make sure that those dollars and the, the um, donations stay within your local community, contact your local food bank. So whether it's a Feeding America food bank, it's your <clears throat> food bank, um, you know, that is going to make sure that those donations stay in your community, serve your local community. And we know how important that is to our farming community. Definitely. And I do think Feeding America has a great resource on their website where if you're unsure of who to contact, you can go to their website and find out where your local food banks are and how to get in touch with them for this type of thing. Absolutely. And they've been a really great partner for us when we've been doing the larger grants to make sure that we can provide them but also track to make sure that those dollars only go to purchases of milk. Awesome. Well, a great way to get, get milk moving and at the same time do some real good in our community, especially around the holidays. We often think of, of these folks who are a little less fortunate this time of year. And I'm so excited to partner with CMAB and, and work with my local food bank on this project. It's so important. Thanks for, thanks for spearheading that. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Jen. I really appreciate your time today. And we will have you back after the new year, hopefully to talk about some of the other exciting things CMAB has on the docket for 2022. But we just, again, appreciate all you do and happy holidays. Happy holidays. We appreciate you so much as well. And of course, all of our, our family, our dairy farm family, we honestly couldn't have Christmas without them, if you think about it. Yes, and, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll all be putting our milk and cookies up for Santa, maybe a couple cheese sticks as well. Definitely. Always cheese for Santa. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Take care. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. We want to give a big thank you to our contributors on this week's episode, Jennifer Jambroni, Maureen Lemos, and Tiffany LaMandola. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. If you have any questions or content requests, you can reach out to us at wud.pod at gmail.com. Remember, you can reach Melissa at mlema at wudairies.com, and I can be reached at darby at wudairies.com. Thanks, and have a great holiday season. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. 
If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. Thank you.